Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the show. This is the Game by Show podcast. Today is April the 9th, 2017. My name is LeGrand. I'm joined with Jeremy. Hello, Jeremy. Hey. Hey, everybody out there. How's it going? LeGrand, how's it going over there? It's going all right, man. Figured it's my, right. I might as well ask you. I ask everyone hey, else first. Hey, thanks but... for asking. Uh, I'm, I'm doing okay. And there's Dale over there. Yeah. How are you, Dale? I'm all right. That's good. I've been worse. Uh, yeah, well, we've probably all been worse. I was at the hospital this morning at 9 a.m. Whoa. So that's that's pretty awesome. Yeah, my kid had like a 104.5 fever, and he's had it for like the last three days. So we called our doctor, and the doctor's like, nah, dude, take him to the hospital. So mm-hmm. we did, and he has pneumonia. I think that doctor was just passing the buck. Nah, man. Well, he said, he said, well, is his neck sore? Because I guess meningitis is a thing in kids or whatever. I and so. Don't know. My boy was like, yeah, my neck kind of hurts. And the doctor was like, you got to take him to the hospital right now. Yeah. So sure enough, at the emergency room at 9 a.m., and uh, he has pneumonia. So he passed the day playing Titanfall 2 in his bedroom because we put a TV in his room because oh, he's sick. Is it one of those, we quarantined like, him because he's contagious. It's contagious pneumonia, like so bacterial pneumonia, Oof. which is the kind that you don't want. Yeah. Like the walking pneumonia is okay. Right? I, I mean, Fire unless unless you want to sit down and play Titanfall two all day, which uh, I mean, it doesn't sound so bad actually. Yeah, like bro played video games from like I don't know eleven a.m. until he may be playing right now. I don't know. <laughs> I, I told him to go to bed, but I don't really don't care at this point. He's sick, so I think he's cracked the code. You know, I'm I'm really not feeling like going into work this week, so maybe I, maybe I need so to get some of that video pneumonia. games. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm sure he'll beat Titanfall 2. He was pretty... He was, like, a few levels into it when I last saw him. Jeez. Um, he played a bunch of Destiny, of course, and he's actually playing No Man's Sky, so... Yeah, whatever, dude. I mean, it sucks because it's spring break right now, so he... Spring break just started. Starts tomorrow, so... That sucks. Yeah, pneumonia for the first few days, so I don't feel too bad for letting him just play video games all day because he is sick and can't really see anyone, so whatever. You know, that seems like it always happened to me, too. Like, whenever there was, like, a Christmas break or a spring break or something, I feel like I'd be sick. Uh, I mean, I'd play some video games, but I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Yeah, he only has, like, it says like they said, like, two days, two or three days before he's not contagious anymore. <laughs> but for now, man, he's just quarantined. Man, I don't, I don't need any of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Titanfall 2, man. I've got all sorts man. of trips planned. I've got all sorts of crap. <laughs> I already beat Titanfall 2, so I don't... There's multiplayer. They they released updates. They they have that live. He's played it on PS4. That game looks really good for PS4. I mean, it's lower res. It's not 1080p, but it looks okay. Yeah, for a dirty console. Yeah, dirty I know, console. right. I played it 4K, sucker. Yeah. <laughs> I for me, I don't know if I mentioned this on the show before, but Titanfall 2 in particular, I have I've had a really hard time getting good on PC because I have to reach over and like hit control for the crouch button or something, and I just can't do it. It's your pinky, bro. I know, but I don't know what, what? it is, but I can't reach over there anymore. Like I used to be able to like full on do it, but now you know it's the cool like... thing about PC gaming is that you can rebind your keys. Oh yeah. Weird I, I mean, there's nothing else over there. There's caps lock. I don't C? know. There's a C, C for crouch. right there. There's a Z. I don't know. I haven't been able to crack that code yet, and I feel like it didn't used to be a problem, and I don't know why, but that's why I've been playing it on PS4. That's like a natural place where your pinky goes. I don't get it. I, I don't get it either. I'll, you know, I'll have to revisit that. I'll play Titanfall Are you on, like, a week. laptop keyboard or something? No, that's no, I'm weird. just talking about... I Jeremy my... uses ESDF instead of WASD. <laughs> he uses arrow keys and control and yeah. alt. That's his problem. I don't even mouse look, bro. <laughs> but it's, like, left control and right alt. He's a keyboard turner. Yeah. Right. <laughs> every, every time I jump in Mario with the keyboard, I like hold it up and like do the thing. 
I, I can't reach the left control because I'm using the right <laughs> control and all for my main buttons. I just can't figure uh, out this office equipment. That's it. That's yeah, all I'm saying. Weird. It's weird. You should have just plugged in a controller. Oh, I, I never thought of that. <laughs> anyway, welcome to the show, everyone. Uh, let's talk about some video game news. That's what we do on Sunday. Yeah. On Sunday. We should do that. That's right. What Top do you think, the, Jeremy? Top of the week. I agree with you, LeGrand. Let us move forward with this news thing that we do. Uh, we are going to start with the big reveal this week. Well, it wasn't really a big reveal, but it was a moderate reveal. Moderate reveal this week. Uh, Microsoft released the specifications, or the specs, as they call them in the OC, uh, for the Project Scorpio console and a half that they're going to be releasing later on this year. Uh, the biggest news out of this came from Digital Foundry, who's well known for doing comparisons and hardware teardowns and things like that. Uh, and they did a, uh, a demo of uh, Forza Motorsport running at 60 frames per second in native 4K with the graphical settings at an Xbox One equivalent level. Uh, the console will also boast a 1TB hard drive as well as 12GB of GDDR5 memory, which is the same type used in the PlayStation 4, although that only has 8GB of said GDDR5. Whoa, that's like a 50% increase. It's something like math. Mm -hmm. It's like almost a 50%. Did y'all watch that video that Digital Foundry put out? No. It's like 12 minutes long of some old man who's probably well known if you watch digital foundry but he was like <laughs> he was like yo guys he's like going on all this tech stuff and i was just like man where's the tldw for this because yeah. i do not want to watch this guy talk <laughs> about jog this stuff. through it at like three times speed i'm like just tell me like how I, I don't i don't even know what to expect or what them to say because he just looks at the camera and takes off his glasses my god he's like man i don't know and the way that they did the whatever is like totally better and i'm like oh that sounds pretty good i guess <laughs> it has 30 teraflippers of yeah. And I'm kind of into that stuff, too. Like, I built my own computer. I kind of researched that stuff at one point. But, yeah, I just... Yeah. It's dry, dry watching, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, a couple of extra things about that RAM. That 12 gigabytes is split between 8 gigabytes, which is accessible to developers. 4 gigs used for system use. Uh, compared to the Xbox One, which has 8 overall, and it's 5 and 3 as far as the split for developers versus system use. Uh, Digital Foundry uh, basically said that the Scorpio will run all Xbox One. You know what they need that extra better. gigabyte for? I'm, I'm going to break in here again. They Do need it. the extra gigabyte for that freaking dashboard that the Xbox One has compared <laughs> to the PS4. That interface, maybe it'll make it a little bit better. <laughs> oh, dude, it's so it's so horrible. But I heard they're, they're remaking it or something, right? Are they have like a beta uh, I think right? they're always working on it. Just wait for the spring update to come out and they'll have... They'll, they'll bring the blades back, I think is what they're going to oh, do. Oh, bring those blades yeah. back. It's like way easier to navigate than Blades whatever they got going on right now because the xbox time. one has the worst interface ever it's time and i'll rant about that all day it's like corduroy pants xbox blades that's how it works <laughs> um so the only uh, exception to xbox one games running better is uh whether they're specifically hard clocked at the 30 frames per second but other than that uh games that are unlimited as far as their frame rate those will see that increase uh the gpu 4.6 times powerful as xbox ones uh has a faster cpu so basically means higher frame rate no screen tearing faster load times uh there are also some other anecdotal or ancillary improvements to the uh system functions uh game dvr now lets you capture 4k 60 frames per second hdr gameplay but get this no connect port on project scorpio uh, if you're really hanging on to that connect, you're right. going to need to use a USB adapter to uh, to get that thing on there. Is this thing coming out this year? Uh, they're actually, I'm glad that you asked, because uh, according to Phil Spencer, they're not sure uh, whether they're going to be showing it off before E3 in June, but the last information that we had was that it will be launched uh, sometime around the holiday. 
one other thing of note for you PC folks, uh, according to a, uh, an interview between Eurogamer and the uh, Turn 10 software architect Chris Tector, uh, he says that the, uh, the crazy story here is that they've gone over the PC Ultra settings, and for everything that's GPU-related, they've been able to max it, and they're still running at only 88% capacity. Uh, essentially, they can do it and still what does have that even power mean? left over. They've gone over the PC Ultra settings. So they've gone, what? they've gone all the way past the highest settings that they can set on the PC version of the game, and they still have room to spare, basically. Oh, what game? Uh, For Forza, uh, Forza, 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 whatever the demo was, Forza, Forza Horizon Three, yeah, Forza, Four? something like that. Forza, Forza, Forza game, the latest Forza Horizon, Forza ninety five. Uh, well, that's cool, man. You know what they should do? They should just make higher settings because I guarantee you that PCs will run better than Project Scorpio. That is very likely true. For you can get three well, times the power for three times the price. If you think about it, PCs are also having to run Windows, whereas. You know, an Xbox doesn't have to run Windows. It just has the... Well, they've got four gigs dedicated to whatever their OS is, though. OS. That's right. That's true. But I, I'm saying it could be neck and neck. It could be. It could be. For, like, what, a few months? Until PCs just, you know... But whatever. I agree with you, Jeremy, for the price point. If they can sell this thing for 400 bucks, like, that's pretty awesome. They're not, though. It's going to be 500 that's true. Four ninety nine is actually the estimated oh, is that price what they point. Said? Well, it's the estimated price point according to some analysis of the components by Digital Foundry and Eurogamer. But uh, yeah, that is correct. Well, didn't so the the, that, PS, the PlayStation Pro came out at four hundred? Well, and, they, and actually, they would the, have to beat that. The original Xbox One came out at that price as well. So five hundred. Yeah. Oh yeah, they were hundred dollars more than the PS Four, right? Yep. I mean, they yeah, they could a, put yeah, it out. That's because it connects, though. They could put it out at a loss, but basically, what Digital Foundry said was that sort of like lowballing everything. Um, Component-wise, with the stuff that they're putting in the box, they would estimate four ninety-nine as basically a minimum, which is probably where Microsoft would go, right? Unless they want to take a loss on every box to get them in home. I, I bet that get, uh, yeah. I bet that Microsoft handles the marketing of this device better than PlayStation or Sony did on the PlayStation Pro. Yeah, well, it's you hard know. hard to do worse. Really? I don't. I'm not sure. Well, just th th think about the thud that no? that. Yeah, well, that's a good point, too. Well, any anyway, Phil Spencer says that he thinks it's critical for first party games to be ready for the system's launch. So we'll maybe see at E3 exactly how they'll be how they'll be spinning this thing. Well, the, the, the amount that the guy, the digital foundry guy, the boring old man, yeah. is, is excited as he was about what he was talking about. And he's like a third party guy. That makes me kind of excited to see what this thing can actually do, because, you know, we've talked about it here on the Game by Show podcast before, but like, you know, bringing the PC and xbox together to make one unified awesome platform is something that's that would be super sounds pretty sweet. good yeah. super sweet uh well also struggling in the pr spin department here is atlas who uh with the release of persona 5 which we uh mentioned a little bit last week uh they've come out with a very weird uh streaming policy for this game uh post release too uh so in the i i, I guess ostensibly because they're concerned about spoilers getting out into the public, Atlas has come up with a set of, um, we'll call them hard guidelines that they would really like you to follow. Uh, they don't want players revealing anything that happens in-game after the date July 7th, so the game kind of takes course 
of you know of the school year i guess from april till you know roughly a year so basically the last three quarters of the game uh, on top of that they say that you can post as many videos as you like but limit each one to at most 90 minutes they want no major story spoilers although they're leaving that to judgment uh, they've given some specific on a blog post some specific uh, guidelines about getting footage from the kamoshida boss fight but don't capture video from any other major boss fights uh, do not focus solely on cutscenes and animated scenes prominently feature dungeon crawling and spending time in Tokyo uh, but they do allow you if, if you know in their graciousness to post straight gameplay or to have commentary uh, it's all pretty weird I mean Atlas um, is generally considered to be a fairly you know, consumer-focused company, you know, giving the people what they want. Um, the U.S. office seems to have made it clear that this is not their decision on the West, uh, but rather that something uh, came down from the, the Japanese corporate overlords, I guess. Oh, they totally threw them under the bus. Yeah, they say, uh, this being a Japanese title with a single playthrough story means our masters in Japan are very wary about it, is uh, is what they said. Uh, now, the penalties here. Failure to comply with the rules above mean, quote, you do so at the risk of being issued a content ID claim, or worse, a channel strike or account suspension. That's if you're on YouTube. On YouTube, that's right. But that's if you right. make your own website on, say... Uh, WordPress or something. <laughs> Gamebyshow.com. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and Sticking it to videos. Atlas. <laughs> uh, what are they going to do? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of surprised. I mean, I don't know. I, I guess if you're, if you're the Western branch office, you probably have to say what they tell you to say. But, man, I don't know. The, the reactions kind of ranged anywhere from, like, mild amusement to, like, outrage, I guess, is, is kind of how things uh, sort of spread. Um, a lot of people believe that Atlas is shooting itself in the foot because, I mean, and this is the sort of You're reason that goes free back marketing, to... You're giving up free right? Yeah, exactly. It goes back to the same idea that people have talked about on Twitch or whatever for, for years now, where the, the balance between, well, if you have a single-player story and it's just a one-time through, are you, you know, causing people to not get the game, and would they have anyway, and, and however. Uh, a few Redditors indicated that a lot of their interest in the Persona series came from specifically, I guess this must be a thing, specifically a giant bomb playthrough, a, a Persona they 4 did, Endurance run. Yeah, they did like a, a long, endurance like run. very, very long 100 episodes or something playthrough of Persona 4, like back when they launched that site, like 2008, 2009 timeline, whenever that game first came out. And um, yeah, I think I think there were a lot of people that were turned on the, to Persona just from that series of videos, really. Yeah. And they played through the entire game. Yeah, the whole thing. Yeah, a long play. Yep. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, some people are comparing unfavorably to Nintendo Atlas here, uh, saying that Nintendo at least allows their games to be streamed, and Nintendo's sort of the laughing stock of, you know, online and streaming and community yeah, this stuff is, anyway. So. This is very regressive and very, you know, backward-looking, which I, I wish I could say it was a surprise coming from, you know, it's, it's probably a directive from Sega, right? Because they own Atlas now. Um, but it, it's just, it is very stupid. Yeah. Well, uh, no word yet on the fallout from this, if they're actually following through. Uh, it could be empty threats. I don't know. I guess watch out there if you're going to YouTube looking for Persona, just in case somebody's spoiling it. You know, it. maybe they just shouldn't make long single-player RPGs anymore, and they should do like they already started to do and turn Persona into a 2D fighting game series. Or like a procedural, like, yeah. survival game. Well, they haven't already done that. I mean, they've so far they've done the two D fighting game and the rhythm dance game. So I'm just, just I'm just saying, if they had made Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. That's all I'm saying. It's true. It's true. So. That's true too. 
In other news of bad eggs, uh, Gearbox is cutting ties with game code reseller G2A after they failed to meet demands by Gearbox, and uh, and I guess also Total Biscuit was involved in this, uh, to have them sort of clean up their act, which has been a, a long-standing set of allegations against the site, uh, selling game keys obtained through stolen credit cards and kind of generally being... Um, difficult Scuzzy. i guess yeah <laughs> okay that's one way to put it uh so this this goes all the way back to uh the the creators of the game speedrunners tiny build who started alleging uh some shenanigans i guess on the part of g2a uh total biscuit i guess uh has been kind of documenting or or uh he's kind of been on this g2a thing for a while and he actually put it to gearbox from what i understand that they needed to cut their ties with... The thing is that Gearbox is partnering with G2A to distribute the collector's edition of Bulletstorm Full Clip Edition, uh, which is kind of interesting because it's a physical thing with statues and, and that sort of thing. And Total Biscuit basically challenged Gearbox and said, you know, if you guys uh, really cared about your, your consumers and about the greater video games industry at large, you would not be partnering with these people. So uh, he got on a conference call with them uh, and essentially outlined all of the accounts of... G2A's behaviors and those sorts of things, and they basically worked together to come up with a set of demands which basically said things like they would not charge for their anti-fraud services, they would... Uh, I mean, there, there's a whole thing about this, and they gave G2A a deadline. Uh, turns out that G2A did not respond. Uh, Gearbox head of publishing Steve Gibson... Fraud is uh, pretty lucrative, apparently. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. Total Biscuit said that they would profit not only from the fraud itself, but also from the solution to the fraud, which, you know, I, I guess it kind of makes some sense. Uh, Gearbox head of publishing Steve Gibson uh, told Eurogamer, uh, or gave them a statement that said, as there has been no public movement from G2A by the time Bulletstorm Full Clip Edition launched, now on PC, Gearbox Publishing will be doing their part to not directly support a marketplace that did not make the new public commitment to protecting customers and developers requested by Gearbox Publishing. We do not control G2A's marketplace or where they may obtain keys from parties outside of Gearbox Publishing, but we can confirm that today we have begun executing on our extraction process. Uh, so, I guess uh, that's that. If you're going to be getting that Bulletstorm full clip edition, you're probably going to not be getting it from G2A. Uh, other market changes in the digital arena of, hey, it's a, it's a new quarter, uh, time for Valve to start revamping the Steam storefront again. Again? Uh, yeah, this one actually also involves Total Biscuit. This is kind of weird. It's uh, kind of a weird confluence here. But uh, I guess TB, uh, Mr. John Bain, visited Valve and uh, was able to get some information about the... Uh, more focused and effective curation process that they're planning on implementing to ensure that gamers only see games that they'll be legitimately interested in while making bad games invisible, apparently. Uh, Valve seems to believe that for the most part their system is working pretty well, and uh, they want to ensure that people know why things are happening the way they are, which I guess is where uh, YouTubers come into play, just getting the word out on that. Uh, essentially what they're aiming for is that everybody's Steam page will look different, but will be personalized perfectly to them based on the data that Valve has about their habits and Isn't preferences. Isn't this what we already have, basically? I, I'm not really 100% sure, because I tell you what, I don't spend a lot of time on the Steam front page, um, but apparently this uh, really represents a, a change in the way that they're planning on doing this. They're also planning on overhauling the Steam curator system to increase functionality, uh, make curation a rewarding and useful experience, uh, allowing things like uh, putting together collections of, you know, for example, your top 10 games of whatever year and displayed at the top of your curator page. Uh, so essentially they're just 
you know, on that ever iterative quest to try and make your game page uh, more useful and functional for your purposes, uh, I'm curious if either of you guys ever use that curation thing, like to, to, to look at people who have games that they recommend. Have you ever looked no. at a curator page? No. Nope. Yeah, I also have not. But I mean, I uh, have I have ever, but I, I do not regularly. You know, ironically, I've I've mostly just wanted to remove Total Biscuit from my homepage. Uh, is <laughs> sort of the, the extent of my. <laughs> oh God. Um. So, uh, elsewhere in storefront pages and news and things, uh, Blizzard has won an 8.5 million dollar lawsuit against a maker of uh, cheat bots for their online games. Uh, Bossland was a German company that creates uh, a number of such products, and uh, U.S. court has ruled that Bossland owes Blizzard $8.563 million for 42,818 violations of their terms of service. Bossland would additionally have to pay $174,000 in Blizzard's legal fees. It also prevents Bossland from selling its wares in the U.S. Uh, some of their products include things like Honor Buddy, Demon Buddy, Storm Buddy, Hearth Buddy, and watch over tyrants. Uh, the basis for this ruling is that these products infringe on Blizzard's product by damaging the player experience for honest and non-cheating players. Uh, the uh, court says that players of the Blizzard games lodge complaints against cheating players, which has caused users to grow dissatisfied with the games and cease playing. Uh, accordingly, the in-game cheating also harms Blizzard's goodwill and reputation. I think all of that makes sense. Um, I do not know anything about Bossland or how much money they make on this sort of thing, but that seems like a pretty tall order. So I guess for those of you out there who are involved in the uh, modding scene for games that are actually live and competitive, uh, let this be a warning to you. Mass Effect Andromeda has released a patch that improves the overall presentation, uh, primarily the eyes, I think, is, is the main thing. Um, they have uh, improved facial animations, and, uh, you know, previously everybody kind of looked perpetually surprised, I guess. There was just not a lot of shading on the eyeballs, so people just kind of yeah, always looked like this wide-eyed kind of look. <laughs> uh, and their faces were tired, also. Um, yeah, that too. But this new patch actually adds some shading that uh, allows the eyelids to shade on the eyes, also a little bit more, uh, you know, the half-iris kind of look, where people don't always look, you know, you don't always see the full color of somebody's eyeballs when they look at you, you know, the eyes kind of uh, kind of close over it. And, you know, it's a very subtle effect, but I will say, just kind of looking at the comparisons of the old and new 1.05 patch, uh, definitely looks like an improvement. Um, unfortunately, I don't know that they're doing much to change any of the other weird animations. Um, I think one of the, the best GIFs going around right now is the one where the, the female version of Ryder is kind of like doing this weird crouching spider walk, and somebody's got like a motion capture person doing like a monkey thing, and I don't <laughs> know if you guys have seen that one. It's a You know, I can tell you something that, that appears to have happened to my install of the game um, since this patch is that uh, so, so previously um, you know before this new patch I was playing with a, an Xbox 360 controller and it was just fine like no yeah. problems at all really since this patch um, and you know I, I did also upgrade my um, I, I reinstalled the new NVIDIA video card drivers so I'm not completely blaming the Mass Effect patch but it's it's probably not my video card drivers that caused this uh, but since this patch, um, anytime I'm in uh, a sort of exploratory or combat um, setting, uh, any of the settings in which you can use Ryder's jump jets, uh, uh -huh. when I do so, it's as though the command to, to jump is also doubling as the command to 
disconnect and turn off my 360 controller, desync it from the PC. And what's really interesting is it does it no matter if it's because I jump by pushing A on the controller or if I swap the, the um, button mapping around to a different controller scheme to where like jump is Y on the controller. Uh -huh. if, I push, if I push jump and it's Y, same thing happens. Or if I have the controller on and then reach up and hit the space bar on my uh, keyboard, same How do you reach happens. the space bar, though? It, uh, it, Can you hit the control button? The control button is fine. But I mean, okay. supposing I remapped that jump to the control key, then hitting the control key would disconnect the 360 control. So it's That's weird. really bizarre. I can no longer play the game <laughs> in uh, exploration or combat mode with the 360 controller, which basically means I'm just playing it with mouse and keyboard now, which, which is fine because... I think the first three Mass Effect games on PC didn't support controller at all anyway, but that's really messed up. So Bioware, get on that. Right. That is, I, I don't think I've ever heard of a situation where there was like a hardware involvement. Isn't on, it on weird? Like that. That is it's weird. really strange. And it, and like I said, it doesn't matter. Like I can have, I can hit the button on the keyboard and it disconnects the 360 controller, which is like just insane. But I don't even know how that's possible. Like you said, I was trying to work it out in my head. Like, what? Because I don't even know if there's a, a software way to do that outside of Mass Effect Andromeda. <laughs> wow. Well, welcome to our cyberpunk future, Dale. Uh, yeah. Oh, wait. I might not be able to use that term because Witcher developer CD Projekt Red has actually trademarked the term cyberpunk. Uh, this, of course, is in, re in relation to the upcoming game Cyberpunk 2077. And uh, kind of an interesting thing. I mean, Cyberpunk has sort of been in the public lexicon for, for quite a while, and uh, the application has actually already been approved by the European Union. Time for a Brexit. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, man. <laughs> this is the beginning of the end. CD Projekt Red has explained their motivations here, saying that they wanted to protect their hard work, and they don't plan on using the trademark offensively. It is a self-defense measure only. Uh, they indicate that there are many examples of companies registering marks similar to well-known ones and then trying to sell them for big money. They say, should we ever decide to create a sequel, there's a possibility of someone telling us we can't name it, say, Cyberpunk 2078 or Cyberpunk 2. Moreover, if someone else registers the trademark in the future, they could prohibit CD Projekt from making any expansions to the game or any additional titles under the name Cyberpunk. Uh, the reason for our registration is to protect us from the unlawful actions of unfair competitors. Fair uh, enough. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. In fact, they actually went on to say that a trademark is not a copyright or patent. They feel that people are getting those things mixed up. They are totally different, should not be confused. A registered trademark does not prohibit one from using the word Cyberpunk if it is not used in the course of business and also does not give any exclusivity to, to set a game in a certain environment or in a certain genre. Uh, use of a protected word in a title may be prohibited only if it would confuse customers. Uh, pretty interesting. So, uh, you know, I, I guess uh, considering that uh, the CEO of CD Projekt Red, Marcin Iwinski, has told people that uh, Cyberpunk is now the company's main focus, uh, presumably they do want to protect their interest in that. And uh, I don't know, I, you know, usually if there's any confusion about the um, applicability or the specificity of that, if it's more of a general use term, I, I don't know. It might just be that the courts in the European Union are not familiar with the fact that cyberpunk is kind of a publicly used term. I, I don't know. I mean, I guess in general, we probably trust a company like CD Projekt Red to, you know, honorably... Not screw people over? Yeah, yeah kind of, yeah, to kind of behave themselves and govern themselves in kind of an honorable way. Um, I feel like they've earned uh, a good amount of trust and goodwill. 
Because consider that these are the same people that do uh, good old games as well, or GOG.com. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, that's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. Uh, Other folks who people may not be so certain about might include, oh, say, Peter Molyneux. Uh, It turns out that Peter Molyneux is working on something new, according to an interview with the website Glixel, which is the uh, web version of the gaming division of Rolling Stone, I think. Um, And, uh, you know, he seems to be kind of reticent to talk about it, which, you know, considering Peter Molyneux's past might make some sense. He says, uh, I think it would be a mistake to talk about it. The only thing I think is wise is to tell you that it's very different. (laughs) This is the Peter, this is like the Sonic the Hedgehog cycle, except it's the Peter Molyneux cycle. Uh, it's very different. One of the things I am proud of is the number of different genres that I've attempted, and at the moment it's hard to peg what genre Legacy falls into. Legacy is the name of the game. He's sort of considering it uh, a return-to-roots game that he's been coding by himself. Uh, he says that he feels much more empowered than he has in years. Uh, he says that the project is platform agnostic. Uh, the uh, design is specifically mobile or PC, but he's currently working on getting the feeling of it right. Uh, And he's talking about the interface primarily, so it's kind of hard to say what that might be. Uh, He says that if you approach it without knowing anything about it, it's an incredible experience. Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Speaking about No Man's Sky, Molyneux says, for example, that uh, if you approach it without knowing anything about it, it's an incredible experience. Flying from a planet, no loading, no nothing into space, then realizing that all those little dots you're seeing you can visit. Uh, He's not sure if the analogy works, but it's a little bit like how the Lord of the Rings films never worked for him. They were incredibly good, but that world was so defined in his mind by reading the book. In a way, No Man's Sky was the same. So he says that the less we know about it in general, the better it will be. So I guess look forward to more from Peter Molyneux in the future. Uh, rounding the bend here, a few more uh, for the news of this week. Uh, we're going to pull one from the uh, the Jared file. Ah, oh, what the heck, it's the Jeremy file too. Uh, Sins of a Solar yeah. Empire Rebellion has overhauled its engine. Uh, we're not going to go into too much, but they've basically uh, taken the... Uh, restrictions previously to use 2 gigabytes of RAM, and now the game can use up to 4 gigabytes of RAM, making those gigantic space battles look even better. Also allowing modders to focus on the creations instead of worrying about managing the resources of the game. Um, Any mods that already exist will benefit from the engine improvements with an overall better look and performance. Uh, They also have some improvements to the actual graphics optimizations themselves, making the game look better. Uh, Everything will look incredible on 4K monitors now, thanks to user interface scaling. Uh, They also have made some optimizations to the late game where lots of gigantic battles and ships everywhere uh, caused some frame rate stutters and some other problems, uh, so they've improved that. The game's AI has also received some updates, making for some more interesting challenges and gameplay. Uh, I actually streamed Sins of a Solar Empire Rebellion a couple of weeks ago over on our Twitch.tv channel. You can find the archive of that over at YouTube.com slash GameBiteShow and uh, take a look at Sins of a Solar Empire Rebellion if you're not already familiar. Uh, we are going to talk about VR. It's been a while since VR has played a role on the Game Byte Show podcast, but uh, in this case, uh, slower than expected sales of the PlayStation VR headset means that uh, Sony plans to start selling the PSVR headset to businesses rather than gamers, according to this report in the Wall Street Journal. Uh, the headset, the hardware, was greeted by very positive reviews, not just in the general press, but here on the Game Byte Show. We're fans of PlayStation VR, um, and we're not really sure exactly how positively Sony views its performance, but um, there's been a low stock situation, so we really haven't seen a lot of push on it until it's really become more available again. Sony uh, doesn't really seem to be 
willing to really talk about it very much, but uh, according to Andrew House's brief comment to the New York Times, uh, it's the classic case in any organization, the guys who are on the front end in sales are getting very excited, very hyped up. You have to temper that with other voices inside the company, myself among them, saying, let's just be a little bit careful. Uh, of course, any given hardware platform, you're not going to see, you know, gangbuster sales forever. Uh, we'll probably be seeing some similar information here about the uh, Nintendo Switch here anytime soon, but uh, I guess we'll kind of have to see if there are any changes to the way Sony is marketing PSVR sometime in the future. Uh, in the meantime, uh, more games, please. We want to see more of those. Uh, very last for the news of this week, uh, I wonder if you guys are any good at uh, shooters. Is that a genre you guys are interested in? Um, well? I'm okay. Yeah, mm. Dale? Mm. Okay. Well, uh, just in case, you may want to bone up on that, because there is an interesting new bit of ransomware that will uh, take over people's PCs, but instead of asking you for money, it actually forces you to play a uh, an anime-type shooter game called Toho Serensen Undefined Fantastic Object and score 0.2 billion points before it will relinquish control of your computer. Uh, the name of the ransomware is called Rensenware and was created by a user called Tvipple Eraser on Twitter, that's T-V-P-L-E Eraser, who uh, seems to be a little bit contrite about it. Uh, apparently he didn't really mean, I mean, according to him, he didn't mean for it to infect anybody's PCs. Um, he says there's no malice behind his actions, but he's still got a ton of flack uh, since releasing the source code on GitHub. Uh, he released an apology on GitHub that reads slightly broken English, I believe he's Korean. Uh, it says, I distributed source code except compiled binary on the web. However, at the point of distribution, the tragedy was beginning. Maybe it's okay if I remove the encryption decryption logic before I distribute the source code, then ransomware can be treated kind of joke program, but I didn't. Spoiler alert, the game you have to play is Devil Daggers, and you have to get at least 60 <laughs> seconds. And everyone oh, is man, screwed. That's tough. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, it's kind of funny. No, nobody's really tried that sort of thing before. But uh, yeah, it might, might be kind of a tongue-in-cheek thing, but uh, it's all fun, fun and games until you get it yourself. So that is all the news that we have for this week. Man, thanks for the news, Jeremy. No problem, you guys. Sweet. Uh, I'll, I'll handle the... Uh... New release calendar there. So oh, I, I went through right. this earlier. Um, first up, the uh, only game you really need to worry about this week, uh, Planescape Torment Enhanced Bullet Edition oh. is coming up for the PC. This is, uh, if the Baldur's Gate Enhanced Edition is any indication, which I, I played all the way through that, uh, and it was very good. Um, I think, um, also having played through Planescape Torment, um, I think this game was, was really ripe for this sort of... Um, remastered edition and uh, I don't know if they added or, or changed any of the content um, but even if they didn't even if it's just a straight like up res and compatible with you know modern OS's uh, this is one of the best games that I think I've ever played in terms of like RPG uh, you know character development and storyline and stuff so that's highly recommended uh, also out this week is Bulletstorm full clip edition which uh, Jeremy mentioned in the news uh, that's out full price for Xbox One, PS4, and PC, if you missed it last gen. Uh, do you guys play Bulletstorm? Uh, I, I didn't, but, but like, a bunch. It, it seems like people reliably say, like, this so, game needs good. sequels, it needs people to rip off all of its mechanics. Like a solid B-plus really... game is kind of the, the, the reputation I think it got. I could never really get past dick tits. I, I just, something about it. It's very foul-mouthed and, and vulgar, yeah. Um, but apparently it's, 
a good amount of fun. It's I think it's sort of a Gears of Warish sort of thing, but you know it takes itself way less serious. Well, it's got the it was like the kill with style or what was their their tagline? Exactly. On yeah. Uh, I, they had some sort of system where if you varied up your kills and did like trick shots and stuff, you would you would get more points in that. Uh, another thing that's out this week is uh, Ukulele, which is the it was this was a kickstarted game and it's basically a spiritual successor to something like Banjo Kazooie, uh, which right. means I want to have nothing to do with it um, <laughs> because 3D platformer collectathons are terrible. But if yep. you want that, it's uh, 40 bucks. It's out now for PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Also, it's coming out for the Switch as well, right? At some point, I think that was part of their Kickstarter. Yeah, I think they had originally been the Wii U on the Wii U. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So for some people who don't get refunds, did they cancel the Wii U and then say they were going to do a Switch also? Sort of. Was it one of those? Okay. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I guess it's not on Switch yet, but um, actually, that I think it makes sense for Switch. So they would probably do good to put it out there whenever they can. Um, Also coming out this week, Cosmic Star Heroine. do you guys ever play Breath of Death 7 or um, yeah. Cthulhu Saves the World? Uh, yeah, uh-huh. those little kind of simple they're, retro. They're sort of kinda... like parody RPG games uh, from mm-hmm. uh, Z-Boyd Games is the developer. This is their newest mm-hmm. thing, uh, Cosmic Star Heroine. Those other ones are like 8-bit. They're modeled on 8-bit games. This, I think, is their first game that they've modeled on the 16-bit style. Um, and the last I heard, they were shooting for like another sort of... Um, RPG homage thing, but but it might... Don't quote me on this. I think it might have been going for something more like a Secret of Mana action RPG sort of thing. Um, but like I said, it's been a while since I looked at it. However, if that sounds like it's up your alley, uh, that's $15, and that's out for uh, um, the PS4, Vita, and PC, it looks like. Uh, with a nod to, to Jared here, we have Cossacks 3, Guardians of the Highlands, uh, out on PC for nineteen ninety nine. I think the the Cossack series I think is like an RTS. Not certain. Um. Yeah. I think it's isn't it more of like a grand strategy type thing with. Uh, I, it's one probably with some micromanagement in there. Look, somewhere. it's a PC uh, game. It's you know what you mean. Yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, the sexy brutal. Uh, which I don't know, Jeremy. Did you write this note? What's this? Yeah, I added this one. This is coming out on uh, multiple platforms: PlayStation Four, Xbox One, and PC. Uh, it, it looks like a. I mean, it's like, sort of like a three-quarter character occult puzzle game. It sort of takes place in like kind of a dark mansion with a sort of an ongoing forever masquerade ball. Uh, I I don't know much about it. I didn't really hear anything about it before now, but. I like it because all the little characters with their cool little masks, they have kind of these weird proportions. They kind of look like they're all characters from Beautiful Joe. Hmm. Uh, so I, I kind of like that. That would, you know, that, That's about all I know about it, but okay. it's well, out this week. That's, yeah, that's out. Uh, another thing, another couple of things, last couple of things here. A Rose in the Twilight. Um, I'm just guessing this is like a sort of visual novel sort of thing. But because it's coming out on the Vita, <laughs> retail Vita. and PSN, and also PC <laughs> for thirty nine ninety nine. Uh, my yeah. best guess is it's like a Danganronpa sort of nine 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 sort of thing. It's, Sounds right. It's to probably me. kart racing though. Who knows? Uh, Star Blood <laughs> Arena uh, for PSVR, um, and that's retail PSN forty dollars. Uh, what is this, Jeremy Dina? 
Uh, well, it's on PSVR, so I basically got my wish already. Is this it's like, like a shooter? It's like a Valkyrie? cockpit shooter. Yeah, it's, it's it is. Okay. Yeah, it's like a, a spaceship sort of thing. But uh, yeah, uh, brand new out on PSVR, so they're still making games for it. Everybody, go and pick up uh, Planescape Torment, and then you know maybe like Cosmic Star Heroine, and if you're into that sort of stuff, Bullet Storm or Ukulele. Planescape um, Torment, I believe. That's that's out on the 11th on Steam. Oh, it was waste. It was Wasteland Three. Never mind. Yeah, Wasteland Three. That's coming to you via Fig, I think. Yeah, I was actually looking at Fig um, a little bit ago, and considering like just throwing five five hundred dollars at it and buying like one share of some video game to see what happens. You know, oh, that seems but, like a colossally bad idea. But no, go for it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I don't know, five hundred bucks and could be okay. Hope you don't want to see like, me I was reading, that. Back. I was reading some of the stats on there, but Wasteland Three was one of the things I was looking at at some point. But anyway, for some reason, I thought Planescape Torment was that game. Uh, so I guess I'll talk about our topic. And I believe last year, last week, you guys talked about the HTC Vive and the way that they're going to be targeting advertising towards what you're looking at and things like that. Um, using right. just the motion and the vision tracking, that is obviously very, very. You know, they can really, really track what you're looking at. Oh, I remember this. That's now. what the device is, right? At first, I didn't remember the subject, but now, now I remember this. Yeah. So you guys were kind of talking about. So we kind of wanted, just wanted to talk about. Um, advertising in games and and kind of uh maybe not so much the history of it but kind of what your feelings are about it um personally i remember when this started becoming like a big deal it seems like last generation was kind of when uh it started creeping into almost everything lots of product placement um and things like that and i remember there it being like all over the video game news all the time of like oh can you believe this you know product placement or can you believe think, this um, egregious advertising deus ex you know, built into these human games. revolution oh yeah what was the subject of some controversy i think because of some in- in-game advertising that they were doing and i, I, I want to say that. that i saw some of that actually when i was playing that <clears throat> um six months or so ago i, I might have seen a billboard or two that was like a perm because they they did this thing where they were like refreshing on a timer the billboards in that world or something like that, and I think uh-huh. the resolution was that they would stop doing that, but they kept like some limited ads that were I don't know there was a permanent deal for or something I don't know, but um uh, but I, I do I actually remember a, quite a bit of um in game advertising in the like PS2 Xbox era as well. Uh, it was just that was before they could count on everything being online, so maybe it was presented they were just, in a different way. They were just hard coded in, hard coded right? in yeah, there, yeah. yeah. Uh, and not yeah, just the, the in way. like sports games and and racing games, because that stuff probably even began a generation before, right? In some cases, well, um, you'd always see logos from like Adidas or Nike, like, or, or even know, if it was just NFL or something. You know, I mean, that's an advertisement in and of itself. Oh, absolutely, right? even though um, the game would be an nfl game but yeah you're but right. i one of the earliest things that i remember in 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 a game that i was actually playing um sticking out to me was the first splinter cell game where um there were all these like it was i think it was powerade or like what was that stupid soda surge uh, surge <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think it was it was powerade or something like that like all these vending machines where sam fisher they had powerade like, in uh, enter the matrix too Axe. you could like Axe? Axe body spray, yeah. I, I believe I have seen that in some games, yes. So do you feel like that... Well, let me let me ask it this way. Does it ever make a game more immersive or... I mean, I guess the idea is that you want to try and make it 
plausible, I, I, I suppose. I think for sports games, absolutely. I mean, it doesn't take away anything because that's kind of what you expect when you go to a professional sports game is to see, you know, everything there is sponsored made to by make money. It's, you yeah. know, the entire arena. The arena is named, you know, is paid for yeah. by a sponsor, basically. Right. right? So, Staples Center. Yeah. Mm. And especially like with, uh, it's not so much in like NBA or NFL, but uh, Major League Soccer for sure. Like their jerseys are all is just one big ad for some company that sponsors like the team. NASCAR so also, right? Like all the yeah the one <laughs> yeah I remember the what's that movie that movie with um Wayne's World that funny movie that Talladega Nights movie. Talladega Nights yeah has all sorts of that stuff. But I, I think in those games it kind of really doesn't detract from anything because that's kind of what you expect. With I, I have stuff. an example of um, it's, it's, you guys have played the Yakuza games. Nope. At all? Jeremy? Not Jeremy, really. what about I, you? I, Jeremy? I own them all, but I haven't played any of them. <laughs> well, so those games actually use real um, real brands of goods. Not, uh, I mean, I'm sure there's a little bit of marketing money in there, but they use it to sell the world as well. So, like, in in their version of uh, Tokyo's, you know, Yakuza part of town or whatever, like, you can walk into a bar and you can order, you know, the, the Yamazaki whiskey or uh you can you can go to the convenience store and you can get like your favorite brand of uh, instant ramen or whatever um and that stuff is actually there in the game and it's i th- i think it's more there just because those people who that create those games really want to sell that this is the you know kabuki cho that you're familiar with even though they clearly call it something else in the game right but they want it to they want to reproduce what it's like to to roam around that part of the city and go to those places and in the stores all have their correct names the brands inside the stores have their correct names um it's kind of cool the jingles and the layouts and all that stuff is like real faithful to real life and it's this weird sort of like um it's the same sort of uh, maybe kind of fetishization that you get with like a gran turismo game where they like put they mic the car's engines you know to get that like 100 percent realistic sound you know things like that um would that be considered in-game advertising or is that more i think it's primarily not but it yet it does still function that way right so that i'm I'm sure that the the company's paying for it though i was gonna say do you think any money changed hands Maybe a little. I wouldn't be surprised if a little bit did, but I, and there and in in some cases it might not have at all, right? Um, it could have just been something like you know they wrote a nice letter to the company and said, hey, we'd like to feature you in this game. But there are definitely some goods that are marketed as, hey, this is this has been featured in the game, right? So there's business yeah. arrangements going on there, right? Like uh, same thing with like Metal Gear Solid. Uh, especially Metal Gear Solid Five with like the JF Ray sunglasses, you know, and oh, yeah. <laughs> stuff like that, right? Um, well, the, the Metal Gear Solid games always seem to have something like that. And, and a lot of Sony, a lot of Sony published games tend to have like Sony Discman oh, or yeah. you know whatever, <laughs> or the Snow, Sony iPod equivalent, you know. MGS4 had the a straight up Apple iPod. Shows. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. I think it, part of it depends, too, on how... I mean, like in the case of uh, Shenmue or, or something like that, where I, I think it depends on the variety of the products that you have. Because if there's just, like, one or You two, see it all the time. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, what what weird, bizarro alternate world did I land in? Yeah. Uh, that's, <laughs> that was you know, the brought Splinter to you by Cell Dr. Thing. Pepper. 
And the Alan yeah. Wake, where every every battery you found for your flashlight was an Energizer <laughs> battery. An every energizer. single one, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Or, or like even Final Fantasy XV that just came out recently. Like their big thing is the cup noodle, right? And they actually have not only can you buy a cup noodle, but they have like, the, the, you know, the, the bros from Final Fantasy, they'll be like, oh man, I sure love cup noodle because they make it with the best ingredients. It's the best dining experience <laughs> you can have out of a cup or whatever it is. And then they also have like the Coleman, like a big part of that game is setting up camp. Like there are little specific places that you can camp up. And it's like they're unpacking stuff and it's all like Coleman lanterns and stuff like that. It's the weirdest thing because there's just like those two products. It's like, I mean, I don't even know why they would bother doing that because it's definitely not Earth. For the I, money. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, speaking of alternate Earth or alternate realities, you know, another game that comes to mind that used a, a bunch of product placement, and I'm honestly, I'm still not sure how I felt about it, is Pikmin 2. I don't know if you guys ever played any of the Pikmin games. No. Um, but not a one. You, you're sort of, you know, these miniature little alien guys, and you come to a planet that, at least in the first game, they weren't really clear about is this Earth or is it not Earth. But then, and, and, and you know, as, as you um, traverse the, the little carrot pikmin who seem to be native to the planet you know you pick things up and harvest them and carry them back to your planet in the second game they had a number of um like bottle caps for you know i can't remember if it was seven up they had duracell batteries they had uh skippy peanut butter and and things (laughs) like that and your dudes would just like pick these up and carry them off and I, I at first I was like, wow, that makes it kind of neat and you know plausible. But then I'm like, well, what what am I even doing? Um, so so I really want I don't some know. I guess butter. yeah, <laughs> I guess there are circumstances where it can potentially make things better. Um, but you you know the alternate, the flip side of it is when you have situations where the ads are totally made up, um, which. It kind of depends on the game, too, because think about something like Grand Theft Auto, you know? Every Everything... Times Square game ever, basically, right? Yeah. <laughs> Get to Times Square, and there's all sorts of... Uh, just every, Yeah, Times exactly. Uh, Prototype, I think, took place in New York, and I, I don't uh-huh. think they had any in-game... I don't think they had any real in-game advertising. But, well, the Division uh, had, you know, is New York modeled, right? So there's yeah. all sorts of... Yeah, that's right. Um, but then there there are other ways of doing in-game advertising that are definitely a lot less in-world, like mobile games, you know? Um, I, I know there was a period of time where... Banner has at the bottom doing... of your mobile game, right? Exactly, exactly. Oh, that's, that's and, the worst. Um, that's the worst implementation. <laughs> you know, and it, it seems funny to me because it seems like the ad model is dying out on the general web, you know, just like the written articles on web pages. From what I understand, advertising just does not really pay the bills anymore for that because I guess there's just not a lot of click through, but uh, still seems to be there and free to play, uh, you know, still watching a video after you, uh, you know, play a turn on whatever. Um, you know, the other Videos thing for that... more free to play games. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, the, another thing is games that are specifically built for a particular product. Uh, and this stuff goes all the way back to say, cool like in the Sega Genesis. Yeah, Cool Spot or uh, Mick and Mac. The, the there was a, a Domino's Pizza one too with the Noid. Uh, the Noid. Yep, that's exactly right. And there, there don't seem to be as many of those. I remember Darkened Sky was the game for Skittles. Uh, something like that. that. There was a Skittles game. Uh, more recently, the last one I can remember. I mean, there there are free ones. Like remember Sneak King, uh, the the Burger King. The Yaris one on Xbox the... 360. Oh man, I love that Yaris game. <laughs> uh, the Doritos Dash, I think, on Xbox 360. That was the last time I, I seem to recall a real big push on that. They had a, there was a Sour Patch Kids platformer game that they made on uh, last gen. Um, I don't know. So far, we haven't had anything like that that I can think of on in the current gen? console gen. I yeah, so. and and I don't know that that's a thing on PC either. It seems to be kind of a console specific thing. 
Am I wrong about that? You mean, you're talking about like the game games that are specifically theme. made around a brand. Well, there was the very famous Chex Quest. Oh yeah, I don't, I don't remember that. That was like no. a like a dungeon crawler. It was like a reskin thing, right? of I think Wolfenstein 3D or something. Yeah, oh really? Like first person yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. They just yeah, uploaded a WAD file, and that was it. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. The modding scene definitely, uh, definitely does not. Uh, not seem to harbor that but um uh you know another one just last one that that, that uh i just kind of noticed here that popped up on this thing i was looking at was uh, uncharted i don't know if you guys remember uncharted 3 did that subway thing where uh nathan drake was like holding up like the the wrapped submarine sandwich and the the drink cup um yeah i don't remember that i don't remember that at all yeah. Yep. Yep. And I just finished Uncharted Four, and Uncharted I didn't see 3. any in-game advertising no, that I remembered. No. No subway for the Drake. Huh? No. I, yeah. I I played a Battlefield. The first game that I ever remember where it actually, I remember being affected or or thinking about it or thinking like, what the hell is this doing in my game? Was Battlefield Twenty One Forty Two? Because obviously it took place in the year Twenty One Forty Two, but there were big banners that were untarnished that were for core two duo processors by <laughs> like plastered everywhere in the game and, they, and you really couldn't get away from them and i'm not going to say that it, it took away from the experience but it kind of was jarring the first time you kind of see them until you just kind of ignore them you know that's pretty good um but yeah they were all over that game and i remember that being kind of a big thing and that's why that's why i think last gen was kind of when technology came where people were just putting these all over the place you know you kind of yeah. see them. Yeah, you know, and there are other things that aren't necessarily, you know, for-profit ads, but remember there was a period of time there where political people, I mean, there was uh, mercenaries, I think, where you could put uh, Barack Obama or, uh, was it was it Barack Obama? It was, I mean, Hillary Clinton, for example, was in uh, was in mercenaries, I think, as like a playable character. Um, NBA Jam, I think, had Bill Clinton. So I, I don't know if those necessarily count as ads, but, yeah. you know, get, getting some... Getting some mind share for for politics, I think, is something that uh, politics have dipped their toes into games from time to time. So that's something else to uh, to consider. But, Would you uh, like? Here's a weird idea. Say you could get like the hot new game, you know, Mass Effect or whatever it is, but you had to play as a character who ran around in like a branded uniform or whatever. Or wait, you saw how like on Zelda, the new Zelda, you can get that Switch T-shirt for Link. The Switch shirt. Oh man. So like, what if you could have yeah. the game for free, but Link had to wear the Switch T-shirt for the entire game. I don't. I don't think I could would, do that. Would you take them up on no. that offer? Get the game for free. I don't think so. Yeah, you got the game for free, and you and you could change your armor and stuff in the game. But like the Link character skin was always wearing the Switch T-shirt. Yeah, why not? At least I'd check it out. I mean, I don't <laughs> know. That that's like saying, well, what if there's like a banner scrolling across, like a ticker all the time? That's like. Eat at Wendy's. Eat at Wendy's. Eat at Wendy's. High rule. Well, that's know. like what mobile games are right now, right? Yeah, yeah. That is basically what they are right now. Oh man. Well, I guess it remains to be seen what the future of in-game advertisements looks like. Uh, for the time being, though, unfortunately, some of the the best and the brightest of in-game ads are behind us. I think. But, uh, listeners, something that you can be assured will never have in-game ads, because we're not a game and nobody would really sponsor us, is the Game Bite Show podcast, uh, which is ad-free. That's right. Low these two-some-odd two years. I think we're on our... Man, it's got to be two two years. Is it three Over years? Over two years. Two years. It's not, I, three years. I feel like it's... I don't know. I don't even remember. Oh, man. 
let's not let's not talk about this. Uh, but anyway, no ads, no ads. That's that's kind of the point that we're getting at. And thank you so much for joining us. Uh, if you have any comments about any of the stuff that we talked about today, any of our news items, any of our in-game ad examples, if you have a memorable one that strikes you, you can reach out to us on social media. Let us know all about it. You can find us as a group collectively at Game Bite Show on Twitter. You can also reach out to us individually. I am at Jeremy underscore Lamont. You can find me at Legrand. And I am at Count Elmdor. You can also find our fourth man, Jared Redeye Dunn, fan of the Cossacks series and also Sins of the Solar Empire. He is in charge of running our Twitch.tv stream over at Twitch.tv slash Show. I already mentioned our archive at YouTube.com slash Show. Lots of good stuff over there as well. Our two some odd years, I guess, of uh, video game streams, lots of good things. Uh, you can also find our website on the internet, www.gamebyteshow.com, where you can look at our RSS feed, check out our back catalog of podcasts, our sidebar there of video content, all good things on gamebyteshow.com. And uh, listeners, we will be back very soon, in just a few days, to talk to you about the games that we've been playing midweek. Uh, that'll be in a few days, and uh, we look forward to telling you about the games that we have been playing. Until then, this has been your Game Bites Show podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, and we will see you next time. See ya. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.